Hi, I am Kat Tompkins, and you are listening to the Engage Chesterfield Podcast, a podcast about topics that affect our schools and community in Chesterfield, Virginia. We believe family and community engagement is an essential component of improving outcomes for children and youth. Our goal is to strengthen the partnership between families, teachers, schools, and the community through open dialogue. Thanks for engaging with us. For local governments, it is that time of year, budget time. What does that mean for Chesterfield County Public Schools? Well, if Chesterfield County Public Schools were a business, CCPS would be among the largest companies in the Richmond metro area, one of the largest transportation systems, one of the largest catering systems, and one of the largest human resource systems. Countless hours of work from school division staff, the county government, advisory groups, parents, and other citizens go into producing a comprehensive budget plan for a school system of our size. In this podcast, we will explore the budget process, learn how the school system is funded, compare our spending with that of other districts in the Commonwealth, and identify those expenditures that are non-negotiable, and also those items that we may need to fund in order to ensure that our students have the most supportive, safe, and engaging experience possible. Thanks to school board members Rob Thompson and John Erbach for taking time to sit down and answer questions with me. Also contributing to this podcast are Dr. Tamisha Grimes, Christina Berta, Amy Bartolotti, Dr. Thomas Taylor, and Dr. John Gordon. Many thanks to these CCPS staff members as well. Our goal is to make the budgetary needs of the school system as transparent as possible. Chesterfield County Public Schools are known for innovation, high quality instruction, and outstanding graduates. Homeowners and families in Chesterfield County take pride in our schools. What kind of budget does it take to support the high standards that we are accustomed to? Well, let's find out. For starters, I sat down with school board chair Rob Thompson to find out about where our funding comes from and how our spending compares to other districts in the Commonwealth. So, Mr. Thompson, how does our budget compare to that of our state and local peer group? Well, if you look at the most recent comparative data that the Virginia Department of Education has made available, Chesterfield County Public Schools' average pupil expenditure is about $9,800. Now, that may seem like a lot of money spent on a student, and maybe it is, but the state average is $12,171. If you take out Northern Virginia, because the cost of living is it's just higher up there, we're still below our regional and size peer groups. Only two of the 11 Region 1 school divisions spend less than we do. In our identified peer group, we're one of the two lowest cost providers. And out of nine school divisions, which were including Prince William, Virginia Beach, and Chesapeake, regionally, Henrico spends about $100 less per student. 
Hanover spends about $200 more, and Richmond about $3,700 more. Now, $100 to $200 may not sound like a lot, but we have 10,000 more students in Henrico and about 40,000 more than Hanover. So we're really talking about $1 to $8 million in additional funding. How about other funding sources for schools? Well, our budget's made up mainly of funds from the state and local government. We receive about 10% of our budget from the state sales tax funds. Limited funds come from the federal level, and most of those are just grants. So we have to rely on local transfers from our county government, which equates to about 46% of our budget. State funding equates for about another 42%, and the state sales tax funding makes up another 10%. So, Mr. Thompson, how does our local government fund education? We fund public education mainly through real estate taxes. The county government used to have a funding formula, meaning that the school division would receive a certain percentage of the real estate taxes created. However, that formula no longer exists. Our reliance is strictly on the real estate taxes, and that's a little different than some of the other localities, such as Henrico, which also has a business tax base, and of course they have a meals tax. It provides a lot of money towards their building and construction and maintenance projects. Okay, how does our budget compare to what it was, say, five or ten years ago? Our operating budget for the current school year is about $654 million. Prior to the recession in 2009, our operating budget was approximately $590 million. In between, this budget was cut by approximately $70 million. So while our budget has grown, we've had to strategically reinvest in public education over the last 10 years. But I still think you have to equate the dollars, 2009 dollars, to 2018 or 2019 dollars. Can the school board raise money on their own? Unfortunately, school boards in Virginia do not have any taxing authority. We rely directly on our board of supervisors. We cannot raise our own operating dollars. Thankfully, based on results from the county government's various, various public engagement opportunities, public education continues to be the top priority of the vast majority of the residents in Chesterfield County. Okay, how about salaries? How do we compare to our peer counties when it comes to salaries? You know, about 12 years ago, the school division initiated a multi-year effort to increase teacher salaries. We were successful, and for a while, we led the region in many of the different uh, years of service. However, other school divisions have caught up recently and are either very close or passing us now. We realize that investing in our staff is perhaps the most important budget task we can do. Recruiting and retaining the best teachers remains a top priority, and to attract and keep them, you've got to pay them well. Virginia, historically, is in the bottom 50% in terms of teacher salaries, so this is an issue for everyone around us. So when people think about savings, they often look at administrative costs, and our budget staff says that we're quite lean in that regard, like 1.5% of our budget goes to administration. So how does that compare to business in the private sector? Well, if you were achieving 1.5 in the, in the business sector, you'd be receiving a bonus yearly. You know, some of the school divisions have administrative costs that are as high as 15% of their overall budget. Our school board has been very diligent about investing in schools and school-based needs. We've had to because the changing face of education in Chesterfield County, we have more students coming to us with a lot larger, diverse need base. Our spending on maintenance, transportation, attendance, health, and administration all rank below the state average. 
I'm not sure that's a badge of honor, though. To get results, you have to invest. Chesterfield County can do a better job. All right, let's talk about technology for a second. How does our spending in the area of technology compare to that of the state? Well, I think we're far out and above with our technology spending. You know, we initiated a Chromebook. Every fourth grader through 12th grader in our school system has a Chromebook. And kindergarten through third grade, we have carts in the school, so we don't let them take them home. I think we've looked at where we can leverage technology, and and we have managed those costs very effectively so that we get the biggest bang for our buck across our school division. So Mr. Thompson shared a lot of the budget basics, like the importance of real estate tax and that our school board is not able to raise any money on their own, and also how our spending compares with that of our neighboring counties. One thing that many people focus on when they talk about school budgets is this teacher and staff salary, as it is a major portion of the division's operating cost. I wanted to dig a little deeper in this area, so I sat down with school board member John Erbach to learn more. So Mr. Erbach, the largest part of our budget goes towards personnel. While we know that you have to have a teacher in every classroom, why is so much money allocated towards people? So one of the big budget pieces every year is looking at, uh, at, at how much money is spent on teacher salaries, other staff member salaries. Over the last several years, the school board has given between a 2 and a 3% increase uh, in, in uh, staff salaries across the board. And, uh, and, and it goes a little bit beyond just that, that raw percentage. 2 to 3% this board kind of looks at as sort of a minimal approach. And uh, I know the state is looking at possibly funding a larger figure, but of course, if the state, one thing a lot of folks don't realize is when when the governor made his proposal to increase uh, teacher pay across the state by 5%, one thing folks don't realize is, number one, that doesn't apply to every position. Uh, That really only applies to what are called standards of quality positions or SOQ positions. Those are the positions that are mandated by the state. So if the state says you need to have a certain percentage or or certain pupil teacher uh, ratio, um, they fund those positions uh, with, with the standards of quality. And then on top of that, so so it's really not um, going to fund uh, every, every position that we have in the school system. But then on top of that, to the extent that they do fund a, a pay increase, there has to be a local match. So, for example, if 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 we were to proceed with a, a 5% uh, increase, as the governor proposed, uh, then we would actually have to fund 2.5% of that increase. And uh, so, so it, it, it presents some challenges, but of course... We would certainly prefer for the state to to provide its its share of that funding so that it's possible for us to give a, a larger pay increase to teachers. It is getting more and more challenging uh, to hire teachers. I think Chesterfield has has been ahead of a lot of our regional peers in that respect. But we are seeing uh, not only a challenge in terms of recruiting teachers and, and maintaining teachers, but there are certain specific areas and so that, that we we have a hard time filling: science, math. Uh, special education needs, uh, and certain schools with, with more challenged populations sometimes can be hard to fill. Um, so one thing we need to look at, too, is differentiating that pay and finding incentives so that if there are certain hard-to-staff positions, uh, we find a way to incentivize people to work in those, those particular areas. 
You make a point that schools' needs are diverse in not only staffing, but also other supports. What are some areas of need that you see in our schools? And one of, one of the things that goes to are some of the, the needs uh, uh, that, that is a challenge to fund. Um, we have an increase in demand for special education services, uh, and we have, have a, a need of making sure that we meet the students' uh, needs as required by their IEP or indivi- Individualized Education Plan. Um, and so there, and there's really no steady funding source for that. That's, that's something that the school system uh, has to do. It's the right thing to do. Uh, but the state and federal government really has not dedicated uh, any sort of funding source uh, to meet those needs directly. So um, that, that can be a challenge, and that's, that's something that we have to increasingly find a way to address in our budget. Also, English is a second language. Uh, we have more and more students uh, over the last couple of decades coming to the county uh, who, who are coming from different countries, and uh, for them to succeed here in our school system, it's, uh, it's imperative that we get, give them an opportunity to learn English uh, and to, to become proficient in the English language. And so we've looked at uh, increasing the ratio of, of English uh, ESL supports, English as a second language supports, uh, to make sure that those students can be successful. But also, we, we've had more and more challenges over the last couple of decades seeing an increase in the rate of poverty in the county. And in a lot of the schools, particularly in, in uh, the Dale District and the Bermuda District, but, but elsewhere in the county as well, uh, we have a lot of students um, who come to us with needs that, that we weren't seeing in the school system maybe decades ago. Social needs, needs uh, in the home, uh, challenges. They might have, have uh, challenges in the home that we didn't see in years past. So that creates an increased need as well for other supports, uh, social and emotional supports, school counselors, et cetera. And that's, again, another area where there's not SOQ positions funded directly uh, by the state. And so uh, to the extent that our school division wants to or intends to provide those supports, uh, we have to find the room in the budget to make sure that that, that happens. After speaking with Mr. Thompson and Mr. Erbach, I reflected on the diverse needs of our students and our school system's focus on equity. I asked Dr. Tamisha Grimes, Director of Student Support Services, to stop by my office and give a brief description of the equity work going on in CCPS. When we talk about equity and the focus of equity for Chesterfield County Public Schools, It's really important that we think about equity from a larger context than just what it means to students in the classroom to have people who look like them in their classroom, in their school, in their larger community. That's important, but the equity work for CCPS has to be bigger than that. It has to be about more than race, religion, ethnicity. We have to really focus as a school division on equity from the instructional perspective. How does our instruction support all of our students so that every student who is enrolled in Chesterfield County Public Schools is able to access fully the opportunities that CCPS provides. And that has really been the focus of equity. We are looking at equity from an instructional perspective, how our lessons, our activities, our interactions um, in our classrooms support each of our students individually and collectively.
The task of providing an equitable educational experience for our students individually and collectively seems enormous. We have over 60,000 students. But Team Chesterfield is up for the challenge. We continue to hire the best. But as we have heard, demands continue to rise. Amy Bartolotti, the coordinator of the Office of Family and Community Engagement, and I sat down and spoke with Dr. John Gordon, Chief of Schools, about our teachers and the classroom supports on Team Chesterfield who help make sure every student has the support they need to be successful. And we also talked about why it's important to continue funding these positions. So we're in budget season, Dr. Gordon, as you know, and when you look at CCPS, we have over 7,000 employees that make up our organization. So I guess it's no surprise that a large part of our budget goes to staffing. So when you look at all of these positions that really are critical to the work that we do, why is it so important that our pay is competitive? Does that help us be, I guess, more successful as a school division? So you always want to make sure that your pay is going to be competitive so you can attract the best candidates. And one of the things that was done in Chesterfield a couple of years ago from the administration side is we actually increased pay uh, across the board just because we knew, as you look at our trend data, we knew that we were going to have changes in how many administrators are going to be hired each year. So, for example, over the last three years, I've had 31 new principals. And we expect more turnover all the time. You have deans that are being promoted to assistant principals, assistant principals that are being promoted to associate principals. So to be competitive, you have to be able to provide incentives. Incentives for education is always going to be pay. It's always going to be the school climate and culture. And the last piece is also going to be the support. So we want to make sure that the support that we're providing our teachers, the support we're providing our administrators, the support we're providing staff is better than the region, being recognized in the state, and it's a model that can actually be duplicated nationally. So certainly while hiring and retaining talented educators is definitely something that sets us apart, what about all of those other positions that not only keep the school running, but directly support our students and their families, and honestly, the work of our classroom teachers? So Student Support Services is actually ran by Dr. Tamisha Grimes, who's our her official title is Equity and Student Support Services. But this includes our school counselors, our social workers, our psychologists, psychologists. It also includes for us our work with our preschool initiatives, with Head Start, VPI, and VPI Plus, Early Childhood Special Education. We also tie in and work very closely with Dr. Hollins on that. Student Support Services is the glue of a school. You have teachers that provide the instruction, you have administrators that actually are teaching the teachers and providing the vision for the school, and you have the students who are really there to learn. But what happens if the students need additional support? What happens if the students have some struggles or challenges that are actually causing them to not be able to learn? This is where student support services comes in. I mean, it really is, the title matches their role. And so our school counselors, you know, the old term used to be guidance counselors, so we want to make sure everybody's politically correct. They are called school counselors. Our school counselors are there to really help the students make decisions. And the goal is to help them make decisions on their own. So there's school counselors and there's also school psychologists. What do they do? Our school psychologists really deal with the way our kids are thinking, the way our kids are processing information, 
how kids are really dealing with what may be happening in their personal lives and how that carries over into school. And that ties directly into our social workers as well, where society itself has changed so much with the use of social media, with students really having their own individual time so much because they're spending more time on their devices. That collaboration, that community piece sometimes may be lacking. And so when you tie out those three things together, those are the supports we want to be able to put into place for the students. And this is why I'm you know, so happy that Governor Northam's budget is asking for more school councils to be placed in. We're having a three-year model here where we're going to uh, be able to put more school counselors in, maybe some additional mental health supports, maybe some additional social workers. I mean, those are the types of things that we think we need because we're seeing our kids are struggling with more issues. And the issues, unfortunately, are becoming more prevalent because of the information age we live in. People are hearing about it more. Yes, definitely. At the core, to be able to learn, students have to have all their basic needs met. It is so imperative that we fund those positions that support mental health and wellness. So, Dr. Gordon, what do you think would be the impact of a school having, say, like a full-time social worker? I think it would have a tremendous impact because we're looking at those groups of kids that sometimes may not be able to meet with their school counselor because the school counselor may have someone else in there. It also could be that that social worker is another layer of communication between the school and the parent because now we have somebody who will focus specifically on that situation, that community, or that kid. So it's always going to be a challenge because when we think of budget and education, the first thing that people always want to discuss is lowering the pupil-to-teacher ratio, decreasing class sizes, which always should be a priority. But I think all school communities need to understand this also includes adding more infrastructure to actually what's happening in the school. The human capital themselves, the, the people and their roles that they have, because our kids are, are different. I think that's probably the biggest challenge that society hasn't accepted yet. Since the year 2000, kids are different. Well, and I think that, you know, when you start talking about the importance of funding, mm-hmm. uh, uh, human capital infrastructure that support our students, that provides those opportunities to connect kids and their families to the resources and really kind of build that safety net. I think that it's it's really important that we fund that as a school division. In in the cost of not funding it, I think, is is the scarier piece. After Amy and I spoke with Dr. Gordon about the people piece of the budget, we realized that there are a lot of other components to running a school division. So we stopped in to talk with Dr. Taylor, Chief of Staff, about the other pieces of the budget puzzle. So we are now in budget season and we're, we're really looking at this process of where are we going to put our money and what's it going to fund? What are the big initiatives? Can you speak a little bit about how you make those decisions and, and, and what the impact is of funding something or not funding something? So as a school leader, I would love to tell you that our number one priority is instruction. It's not. Um, I would love to tell you that our core business model, which is instruction, is what dominates the conversation. But in truth, it's about safety and how we can protect our kids and the adults that serve our kids in our campus school buildings. So uh, when we look at priorities, um, we tend to prioritize um, our safety needs first and making sure that our kids are physically, emotionally, and mentally taken care of in a meaningful way. 
Um, so this year in particular, you'll see things like our uh, school safety task force recommendations rise to the surface as being the top priority because they are the top priority. Keeping our kids safe is number one. When we look beyond that, um, we have a tremendous amount of instructional needs. We are we're the most innovative uh, school division in the Richmond area and one of, if not the most innovative school division in the Commonwealth. Uh, how we keep our competitive edge and how we uh, make Chesterfield a great place to live, work, and learn um, is by providing programs that uh, help our kids be prepared for life after high school. And this is a, a pre-K through 12 uh, experience. So we are preparing kids for their life after high school in kindergarten on their first day, teaching them workforce uh, readiness skills, how to look people in the eye, how to handshake, how to communicate, how to collaborate. These are all things that we are teaching at our very youngest age. And we need programs to support that. So uh, one of the things that I know that we would be looking to fund um, are changes to our career and technical education program, reimagining what workplace learning looks like and how we can give student credit for workplace learning. I know that we are looking at um, instructional resources and how we can stay at the cutting edge of providing some really top-notch uh, print and digital text for our kids so that they have a great resource and a, so that they can develop background knowledge uh, to know the things that they're expected to know when they leave us. Um, and a lot of our programs that help support who they are as an individual and prepare them for the pathway that they're looking for. So when you, when you talk about you know, funding career and technical education and really providing those skills immediately. You know, like, so the kids can graduate from high school and immediately go into meaningful employment um, with certifications or with these experiences that will help um, increase our workforce in Chesterfield. That's one of the things that when I talk to many business partners, they say, we need more employees. We need more employees. And so um, when you provide when we provide that skill, it pays off to not just that student, but I guess the community as well. Do you see the rest of our, our work in Chesterfield being the same? Yeah, I really do. Um, and in particular, I think it's important for all of us to keep in mind who we're serving. And we're serving our community in Chesterfield. We're serving the Commonwealth. We're serving the country. And the best way that we do that is providing a top-notch workforce um, and giving our kids a competitive advantage in the workforce by these really remarkable and rich experiences that they're getting from their learning. Uh, and that takes an investment. It's, it's not going to happen uh, organically. It takes a lot of deliberate uh, thought, a lot of deliberate strategy, and we've been making it work with the experiences that we've been providing very well for a long period of time. But for us to take that next level and for us to go up another notch, it's going to take an investment uh, from our business and community partners. It's going to take an investment from our parents and our taxpayers uh, to see some of those programs uh, become reality. And what I'm, what I'm talking about, to be specific, is we have two fantastic career and technical education centers. Uh, that support our students with a myriad of programs that prepare them for workforce immediately. But what's lacking is comprehensive programs for career and technical education in our high schools. Uh, we need to invest in that in order to take that next step forward. We need to have great programs that lead to certifications that prepare kids for the workforce, prepare them for college, prepare them for the military, 
uh, right when they are ready to leave us and, and ready to go with, with that support. Well, and I, I think that um, the issue is, you know, we've done it very well for a very long, below the state average, below many of our neighboring um, school divisions. You don't, want to, you don't want to implement those CTE programs at every school and take away from the AP classes or these other experiences because you want to meet the needs of all students. And so that requires more money. Right. Um, so just like you said, uh, we do fund uh, our per-pupil expenditure is lower than uh, the average for our region. It's lower than a lot of our school systems in the Commonwealth that are the same size, and we are making it work. But just like you said, too, um, it's a giant puzzle piece uh, and a giant, a giant puzzle, and we are trying to put those pieces together without compromising some of our strengths. And what a shame it would be. Uh, for us to have to prioritize a successful program out in order to fund something that we want to have our kids participate in on a larger scale that could be successful as well. Uh, and that's, that's going to be a challenge with every budget season, but wouldn't it be great if we could invest in our community and invest in our schools and invest in our future workforce by providing a portfolio of options for kids uh, where we didn't have to sacrifice uh, successful programs in favor of new programs. Uh, that's going to be a, a continuing issue for us uh, because if we do want to keep our kids in a position where they can be competitive in the workplace, we do have to invest in new programming. But we have such a rock-solid program in so many other areas, uh, it, it would be a shame if we had to sacrifice one for the other. So, Dr. Taylor, as a community member, I've chosen to live in Chesterfield because it's a great place to live. My family is here. I'm invested in the future. So how do I make sure that things that are important to me or that I feel are important to our community, how can I advocate for them and make sure that they are funded? Well, one of the things that I really like that you just said um, that, that I think is really important, and I don't think that we can say enough, is that Chesterfield is a fantastic place to live, work, and learn. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're about. Uh, we're about creating a great community. We're about creating great citizens. But the mission of the school division is about creating a great workforce for the future, too. So if that's your message and you're passionate about, about this and you're passionate about the school system, we want to hear from you. And uh, the school division wants to hear from you. The school board wants to hear from you. And our board of supervisors needs to hear from you. Our local legislators who represent us in the General Assembly, they need to hear from you too because they need to know what you're passionate about and how best to support the school system in a meaningful way. If you think that safety is the number one priority like we do in the school division, our General Assembly legislators, our uh, our Board of Supervisors and School Board, they need to hear that. They need to hear that from their citizens so that they can financially support that. Um, if we think that uh, uh, teachers need additional supports, whether it be substitute teachers, additional staff members in the school, or um, additional compensation for the hard work that our teachers do, uh, our Board of Supervisors needs to hear that. Uh, we are state, federal, and local funded. And the majority of our funds come from our, our locality. And uh, it is important that our, our local decision makers hear that voice loud and clear from the citizens. 
I, I think you really hit it right there when, because I think investing in education in Chesterfield is investing ultimately in Chesterfield uh, because it's why people move here. It's why people bring their businesses here. It's why people choose Chesterfield. So that's really great information to know. So one thing that I would add to this is that um, for the past decades, plural, uh, Chesterfield has done a great job of demonstrating return on investment. We have been great stewards of the taxpayer's dollar. We have taken uh, one of the lowest per-pupil expenditure figures in the region, and we have churned out the best results, hands down. No one comes close to us. We are the highest-performing school division in the region, and we're also the largest. We do the most with the taxpayer's dollar. We have figured out ways that we can get a high return on investment on the things that we focus on. So why not invest in Chesterfield County Public Schools when you know you're going to get a great return on that investment? Absolutely. We hope this podcast gives you something to think about. The Chesterfield County School Board and Superintendent want to hear from you. One way to communicate is by signing up to speak during the February 12th public hearing by calling 748-1897 by 2 p.m. February 12th or by registering with the school board clerk at the beginning of the public hearing. You can also contact school board members and Superintendent Dr. Merv Darty directly. It's important to let local and state leaders know that you support adequate funding for public education. You can speak during the Chesterfield County Board of Supervisors public hearing at 6.30 p.m. March 27th or contact the supervisors and county administrator directly. Thanks for engaging with us. Music credit to the Free Music Archive and Scott Holmes.